Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Goat's Eye View, where we are going to be explaining D&D 5e for kids, those mysterious little creatures that I do not understand, uh, featuring <laughs> Rachel, who does understand those mysterious little creatures. Um, my name is Galway Trainer. I am the unbenevolent dictator of Helpful Goat Gaming, uh, and with me today is our good friend Rachel. You have heard her in actually a bunch of our streams at this point. We're... You can talk. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you're, silent. you're just like nodding at me slowly. I'm being nice and not interrupting okay. you, except I just interrupted you. So <laughs> with explicative of you're not interrupting me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we uh, <laughs> Lena in chat. I interrupt him constantly. It's okay. Um, <laughs> just realized having her in chat for these sets of danger incident. Um, but yeah, uh, we are Helpful Goat Gaming. We are a small independent game design firm and game content creation firm. But tonight <laughs> we are here to talk about D&D 5e for kids. And this is partially something that grew out of both Rachel's own experience um, and her very kind offer to share that with us. And also just some things that I've been seeing around the D&D community and that even um, people that I know had been sort of reaching out to me and been like, hey... I see a lot of sort of D&D in the media. We now have a lot of time where we are stuck together. And I'd kind of like to share this with my kids, but how do? Um, I'm not going to <laughs> hand them the player's handbook, the monster manual, and like a campaign setting and expect that to go well. These are my... It's overwhelming. Yeah, these are my clever friends who don't just actually hand them a player's handbook and be like, here, <laughs> write up a character for me. Um, but the first thing I kind of wanted to to ask is just how did you get into DMing D and D for kids? Well, uh, shockingly, I've always been a nerd. Um, so I, I played D and D. Yeah, I know. I come off as really cool. I get it. <laughs> uh, but I played D and D. I think the first time when I was in high school, and then I played on and off. Uh, since then, I think the first time I played as an adult actually was a one shot that Andy did uh, for me. So he got me back into it. Nice. But uh, I am an elementary school teacher and I was teaching at a school that had a lot of other nerds in it. It was like a high density of very nerdy kids and very strange kids, but in the best way. Yeah. And they knew that I was a huge nerd who loved video games and comics and all these things. And um they asked if i could do a club and they were like you should do some kind of club we could play games we could do something so i uh started the dungeons and dragons and dorshner club because that's my last name <laughs> and uh i've done the club i'm running now is now the third one that i've done so <laughs> i've learned and 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 made it a little better each time but yeah the kids really just wanted to do something nerdy with me so i thought i would give it a try cool um, I think that a lot of people that I have uh, talked to about this seem to have some anxiety of like the kids aren't going to like it at all, blah blah blah, and just sort of leaning towards that. Like, what's your favorite memory of DMing D and D for kids? Because I have to imagine there are some pretty amazing. And it's like every kid is different, and like people know their kids better and things, and certain kids too don't get into it as quickly mm -hmm. you know like it takes a little while to figure it out so in my second group i had a girl and she was just 
uh, terrified. Like she was just, I helped her pick, she picked a bard. She never spoke. Like she was just like, sure, I'll be a bard. That sounds interesting. And then never did anything bardy whatsoever. Uh, but you know, when it would come to her turn, she would just be like, I attack it with this. Like it was very nervous, you know? And by, um, by the end of our club, our clubs were about, uh, when I was uh, doing them through school, they were about eight weeks long. Um, and by the end of our club, she, we were in the process of fighting a ghost and it had possessed one of the other party members. And, um, then I think that, you know, he went unconscious and the ghost popped out and she wanted to do a swarm of daggers. She's like, I'm going to do a swarm of daggers on it. And I was like, oh, well, if you do a swarm of daggers on it, you know, you're going to hit this kid who's already unconscious. So you'll probably kill him. And so she's, so she gets up and she like jumps around the room and she takes him and she like literally takes him, throws him on the floor. And she's like, I cast, you know, cloud of daggers and I jump on his body and I shield it with my own. And I was like, okay, well, you're going to automatically fail your dexterity save then. And she goes, it's fine. I'm going to do it. And so like, she went from being this like super quiet, timid girl to literally acting out how she would save her friend from the cloud of daggers that was killing the ghost. So that's super awesome. That's a <laughs> level of active role play. I don't think I've hit outside of Andy and my predilection for like talking with our hands while we're DMing on push to talk. And then suddenly being like, why is no one reacting to what I just said? Someone just vapor. Ah, fuck. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. Kids oh. love to act, especially when they're doing like fighting stuff. They like to be like, okay, I did this. And they stand up and they show you everything. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. That seems super fun. Um, all right. This is arguably the hardest question of sort of the things that I like brainstormed a little bit before and tried to put some structure in. But if someone was going to have dropped into our stream and then been a bad person and left after like seven minutes, the, sort of the TL. <laughs> DV, DW, too long didn't watch. Um, I went for didn't view first. Um, (laughs) Like just if there was just going to be that sort of bullet list of like, hey, I'm interested in getting my kids into it or DMing for like my younger sibling and a couple of their friends or something. What the hell? What do I need to know? Top of list well i i try to think of just like simple bullet points Mm -hmm. for like for kind of almost like mindsets and how to get yourself a little bit ready for it and the big thing was take the time to explain the basics don't don't rush to start it like i have never played D &D on my first session with a kid like Mm. ever sometimes we don't even get to it in the second session because like they're not going to research it on their own. They're not going to like, they're not going to retain everything you tell them, you know, depending on the age of the kid and the kid themselves, but like take the time to explain the basics, make sure you're working through it with everybody. Like don't rush to start it because they're going to have a worse time Mm -hmm. if they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, You also really want to start simple. Like it can be fun to create a huge immersive world where you have this massive empire and all these different cities and, this war is happening and this thing is happening, which is great for adults, but kids aren't going to fucking follow that. You know? Oh, sorry. I realize this is a stream where I'm talking about kids and then I'm going to curse terribly. I didn't like, um, pu- I, by the way, I did not apply the family friendly <laughs> tag to this stream. You should never for when I'm reason. involved. So. 
I'm I was good like, at tutorial. not cursing when I'm working, I swear. <laughs> tutorial, educational, all of these things, sure. Like, family, friend, I was like, nah, it's Rachel and I. It's gonna, it's, it's <laughs> going to get foul at some point. Right. So, some people want to really, like, build an amazing world, which is great, but kids just aren't going to follow that. You know, you're going to tell them, go to point from point A to point B, and they're going to be like, yeah, we're going to go from point A to point B, you know, because that's what mm -hmm. they think. You know, uh, also, even if you're new to it, you should be somewhat familiar with classes and races and some basic rules. You don't have to know exactly every single thing that a ranger can do, but you should know the ranger is the one that shoots arrows. You know, like you you are going to be their guide for things. So you don't have to know everything, but you should know the basics. Um, I wrote them as bullet points. So this is bullet point number four is uh, be prepared to railroad. Like usually when you're thinking about uh teaching kids or uh, playing D D, like you want to be like yeah you can make any choice like be prepared to railroad your kids don't say you can get to this thing three different ways and plan three different things like you can work up to that but be prepared to be like here's your goal here's how you get there and let them do it you're going like, here here's really the hold boat. their hand <laughs> yeah <laughs> it leaves at three get yourselves to the dock by three with five gold for tickets right go and lastly have like kids really like solving puzzles they're kids they don't need to make sense in this like you don't have to be like i worked really hard to make so this puzzle really fits in with the story like i've written out a logic puzzle on on note cards and given it to them and been like here you go this is on the chest and they're like i'm gonna solve it you know so like like they just think of fun creative different things and like have a fight every time because they also really love the fighting like those are my big important things that i have found work for me well, I think that that I think that that makes a lot of sense, and I think one thing that I think would be really useful for people listening to this and watching this um, back and watching some insight into how to do this is that a lot of what I'm hearing is that kids quite possibly are going to be really interested and really in this, but there's no try to practice that dm skill of you know where normally you're like oh i don't want to railroad the players it's more the no literally don't try to railroad the players into what you're interested in is the political fear and intrigue of this it's like <laughs> they want to they want to hop in like they, they they like the rats in the basement mission it's fun for them so yeah give them that mm -hmm. and then one of the rats rolls over and has a puzzle in right a little, exactly like, note in its somehow. hand somehow <laughs> they don't care they're like yeah great and like especially now it is not just nerdy kids who are into this like i had before i left my last school i had two of like the the cool sixth grade boys come up to me and be like mr Rister, are you gonna do a D, D group this time can we join we really want to learn about it like it doesn't have the same stigma that it used to you know mm -hmm. so like a, any kid can get into this if you do it right yeah Awesome. I think that's really good. I think that's really good advice. And I think that that's certainly like a great thing in terms of the bullet list of, yeah, just meet them where they are, all of these right. specific things. <clears throat> and worth noting that, yeah, like they, they, they want to beat something up every. I was, I was genuinely unsure. I think that was one of the questions I'd had. There was, I'm like, do they like the combat or yes. nice? Yes. I'll talk about it a bit more later too. Cool. So, um, so, so sort of transitioning from just sort of this general level of, you and your experience and setting stuff up and sort of the general topic. Um, 
thinking about if you were going to be starting a game with someone like how do you go about explaining D&D to younger kids and it also might be um useful also for both you and I guess to contextualize what ages are we talking about here oh for me I have played with eight to eleven year olds so I teach third and fourth grade and then I run a group right now for some uh former students of mine uh that are fifth grade girls I run a full fifth grade girl group for 11 year olds. So. <laughs> yeah. I just, I suddenly realized like I'm using terms like younger kids and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, right. I'm not saying so, how do you like roll up a stat sheet for a three year old? <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be, that would be a lot, but I mean, you could try. Um, I would, especially for like younger kids, younger than eight, like, you have to really hold their hand. You have to know that that kid is going to want to really do that stuff. Cause it's also a lot of sitting still, mm-hmm. you know, and then for kids that are older, you know, you might change things and make it a little harder as it, as you go kind of a thing. This is just the age range. Like I do upper elementary uh, age, but you can always like start with this and then ramp it up or, you know, ease it down. Uh, but for explaining it to kids, like, Every single kid has played a game before. Every single kid has played a board game. Every sing- most kids have played some form of video game, even if it's Roadblox or no, Roblox is how you actually pronounce it, and, or like <laughs> Minecraft like... or something. <laughs> You're like what? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. I don't play that one. That's the one children's game where they're like, "Miss Dorshan, you play Roblox?" I'm like, "I don't. No, I can't." Anyway, tangent. Um, <laughs> most kids have played games. Most of them have read books and other stuff and understand the concept of stories moving forward. Most of them like to like play act or make believe or things like that. Like they're experienced in some sense with doing that. Mm-hmm. And so really what I just tell them is that they're going to be playing a game in which they are the characters themselves. They get to decide. Like they really like the freedom of saying like you get to decide this. You get to decide what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. You get to choose if you want to do this thing or not. And I'm just going to give you an adventure and lead you along and you get to choose what you do in it. And most kids like immediately get excited for the freedom and the creativity, you know. Um, and uh, that's, that's pretty much what, what gets them, at least in my experience, is just that they're really like they like games. Most kids like some kind of game, you know, yeah. or some kind of playing or some kind of storytelling or something. And so they're just excited to kind of jump into that. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of interesting because I I have a lot of experience teaching. High school age to adult people who are newcomers to d and I've. I have DM'd a lot of games with first-time players, and I think that that's it's it's kind of interesting because what you're describing is really a contrast to one of the things I found with adults, which is that that's actually one of the hardest things is getting them to understand. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can do pretty much anything bounded by the laws of physics and, more importantly, magic. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to go fight this person; you can go talk to them, or you could right bail on this altogether and it's it can be kind of hard i think for people who have gotten more ingrained in sort of more structured games and especially video games for the like no 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 don't worry i can yeah i i cannot predict what you're going to do i can make something up really quickly (laughs) um so it's kind of interesting that it seems like with kids that's almost the draw right Um, absolutely yeah kids i mean and like i said 
I, I'm generalizing a lot. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, not all kids are the same, but like as a whole, kids really like that ability to be creative as long as you are also guiding them in it, you yeah. know? You're, again, don't do that. There are 15 different routes you may take to get to the capital. It's like, <laughs> eh, there's a boat. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> and I guess that that's sort of in this next question that I had is that I've I've had a lot of adults that I've tried to teach this game be kind of intimidated. I for helpful goat, I wrote a goat's guide to D&D that tried to strip it way down to look, you're going to do this, this and this. Here are these numbers. That's about it. Pass there. Well, what I Yeah. <laughs> what I tell the kids with like here are these numbers is also like I reassure them you don't need to know this stuff right now. Like, I'll talk about it a bit more when it comes to character creation, but I'm like, here's your sheet. I have one as well. Like, I, I always have a copy of their sheet. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's your turn. Tell me what you'd like to do. And they can say, like, oh, I'm thinking of doing this. And I'm like, great, let's look through here. If you look on this part of your page, you can see that you can do this. So let's roll this and see. For, like, I don't expect them to be able to, like, start off by being like, okay, I've got this spell at first level. Let me cast it here. It's just like, what would you like to do? Would you like yeah. to hit them? Would you like to cast a spell? Would you like to do this? And then let's work through it together, you know? Yeah, and that makes, and ironically, that is, I think, literally the advice that I have given to new players. And I think you've heard <laughs> that because I, when I DM'd you an Amber Heart, like, I hadn't, I hadn't DM'd most of the people before. So I'm like, look, here's my rule as a DM. Ask me if you want to do something. I'll probably give you a way to do it. Right, it, right. It might hurt. Because you want to encourage creativity and encourage interesting thinking. and Yeah. I, I had a player once who's like, I want to break through this door. I'm like, and they, <laughs> they turned, they had turned, they were druid. They turned into a giant hyena. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You can make a strength tech as a giant hyena. I'm like, you realize you're trying to break through a stone wall and door. They're like, yeah. <laughs> like, it hurt a lot. You did it. Right. It hurt a lot. But so it's kind of interesting. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm hearing from you is a lot of this is that there are certain specific challenges that we're going to get into more, but that a lot of it is, yeah, treat it like you were DMing for newer adults. Yeah. They're going to yeah, have there's a lot of similarities. Like they're going to be interested in some part of the game more than others and blah, blah, blah. And then just try to keep in the back of your mind that these are kids. <laughs> um, so speaking of sort of more of the nitty gritty side of things. Are there any like rules or elements of the system that you find like it's really advisable to change? Well, so yes, yes, <laughs> there are. Um, just like adults can be really bogged down with information, kids even more so because like this is very, very new to them, and they're still like learning how to keep a lot of information in their head and they don't really take notes and refer back to it and they don't really like they're still like they're still sorting through that stuff in school and on their own as they're growing up so i don't like to just you know bog them down with a whole bunch of things but i am in the camp and i know some people are different but i'm in the camp that the the rules in D D are flexible and that like the, like it doesn't need to be like well actually you uh have to do this because this said this so if you don't like i don't i don't like that <laughs> um one of the things i do is i guide a lot so you know it's fun to set up traps and things for them but like i'll say like oh, okay great you're at this door would you like to look for traps because they're not always going to remember to do that kind of a thing so 
I step in a lot more as a DM than I would as a an, like an adult DM. If my adult players were just like, I open the door, I'd be like, well, sucks for you, you know. But as a kid, it's you just know like, what a trap is, <laughs> right? It's like, do you want to maybe make a perception check for me and look around, or do you want to maybe make an insight check when you're talking to this person? So I'm a lot more like hands on mm-hmm. when it comes to that, and um, um. And then also sometimes I'm not because also sometimes having consequences is the best way to learn as well. So like forgetting to check for traps to just let them do it. And then, you know, shoot a bunch of darts at them. And then they remember next time, like, Oh, we got to look for traps. Like, don't forget to do that. Um, I was wondering, so this question was, I don't have the overlay up because I'm looking at a different thing. It was about changing the rules. Yeah. The rule, or like, what rules or elements of the system. Uh, do you change in order to make things a little easier for the kids? And there, I don't really mean the difficulty of the game itself, but the difficulty right, of right. playing. <laughs> the things that I change are are some of the requirements. So, like, I'm not gonna make my 11-year-old wizard girl have all of the components and sit in ritual casting for 10 minutes to cast her familiar. You know, like, She's never going to want to do that for certain spells. Like I'm going to let them do it. Like, even if they're standing, you know, 60 feet away and they need to be 30 feet away or this, like I, most of it is just, I'm much more lenient. Mm -hmm. I will say that in, when I first started with my first group, I didn't require them to know anything about spell slots. I reworded the spells. So it was things like you can cast this once per long rest or something like that, you know, because like I wasn't sure at the time how to even teach them about something like spell slots because I didn't fully understand how spell slots worked, you know? Yeah. So I think my point in bringing that up is that you can change anything you want to also make it so it makes sense for you. Because yeah. like, I didn't know how spell slots worked. I hadn't really played uh, in a long time when I started doing this. So it was just like, yep, you can cast this spell whenever you feel like it. Sure. If this one has endless casts, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, so I, those are the kind of rules that I generally fudge. Like I don't, I don't change like really big rules, mm-hmm. and um, uh, because for a lot of it too is I just I don't even know all the rules. I don't really need to. Like I feel like I said I'm not really a stickler for yeah. it. So yeah, I yeah. I just I play things for basically I just make it for. Does it seem like they're having a good time? If it doesn't, like maybe I need to shift something so that they're enjoying this. Maybe that one does hit, even though it wasn't before, because they're miserable that they're not being able to hit or something like that. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I, <laughs> I, I find it really interesting because when I first sort of proposed this series and this idea, is mm-hmm. one of the things that um, had evoked that for me was I was seeing a lot of discussion in that particular moment online. This was like back in February of good versus bad DMing and sort of mm-hmm. good versus bad D&D and all of these discussions. And it seems so weird to me because I would see people on every side of the argument and like, no, 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 exactly the rules or exactly the rules or you were a traitor to Dungeons and Dragons or, you uh-huh. know, f- fudge everything, do everything, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that I never saw was I never saw the perspective and I realized it's kind of my philosophy. Good D&D or good tabletop rpgs happen when at the end of a session all of the players and the dm are like that was fun and worthwhile 
and right. I would totally do that again. And it's like anything that has to happen in order to make that happen is fine. Right. And the DM should get to have fun. I know I I personally know people who are they basically treat tabletop RPGs like war games. Like they want to be like, no, you are 15 feet away. That means you. And that's yeah. fine. That's totally valid. I get that. That's what makes it fun for them and it makes it fun for their players. So I have no problems with that. That is almost, I think you could probably tell if you've seen any of our streams and comments <laughs> with our group. I think right. I also, like, I've said to you, I'm like, for the love of God, you don't need to count arrows. You're an archer. Right? I assume you are clever <laughs> you enough, enough to purchase arrows in town. Maybe spend a gold every so often and we'll call right. it good. But yeah, it's just like a lot of those like intricacies of like, I don't make them care about food or so, you know, they always have food. They always have whatever. It, just because like they like children don't want to care about that kind of stuff, you know, or like, so for like dark vision, you know, sure. If we're in the dark and somebody doesn't have dark vision, they can't see. I'll do that. But like, they can light a torch. I'm not going to be like, you can only see within 30 feet. And then when you fight, you can't see because you have to do like, Kids don't like that kind of yeah. stuff generally. If you know your kid and they like those, like you know that like minutia, minutia. those details and stuff, yeah, then like fine, do that. But most kids are just like, listen, I just want to punch this orc in the face, you know, like that's oh, what they man. get out of it. Mm -hmm. We've all just wanted to punch that orc in the. Face. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. That, that. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. I. I was going to have a goof about what you don't run full variant encumbrance rules for your eleven-year-olds, <laughs> and then it immediately like fell back on me because I'm like, shit. I don't actually remember what the encumbrance rules in D and D are because it's something obscure like multiply your strength by thirteen or something. And I'm like, nope, nope. I'm out. Uh, you're you're making me do weird multiplication. I'm out. Yep, nope, I don't follow any of By that By the stuff. time you've strapped the third cart to your back, you and I need to have a conversation. Probably not realistic, <laughs> but outside of that. So yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that that speaks to a lot of just DMing philosophy. And maybe one thing that it is, if you are one of those people who's uh, a little bit more of a war gamer DM, or a little bit more of like a survival adventure DM, which I have full sympathy for. I kind of want to run a survival campaign at some point, but it's like maybe don't do that with the kid because they're not going yeah. to see the joy in have you have you eaten your ration for the day yeah mm -hmm. cool. mm -hmm. um how do you keep kids engaged during role-playing although it sounds like this may not actually be that much of an issue <laughs> well let me see i wrote notes so that i wouldn't you know like forget what i was gonna say um Hold on. I think Lena and I repeatedly seconds. forgot stories that we were telling about our own lives. So again, you're good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because um, also I think we skipped a question in the order of the things. And so I was like, wait, what? Where am I? It's fine. It was unintentional. It, I didn't think you did it just to trip me up. I, I mean, that would be a little bit mean. Um. <laughs> Uh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It might just be that my stuff is different. Uh, I also might have made some mistakes when I was copying and pasting. So if I did, okay. we can always loop back to it. We, in fact, could address that question right now if you want to. I could answer this one first and then okay. we can go back to it. Cool. Um, so about keeping kids engaged in role playing. For the most part, they are not going to do it from the start. They're just not. 
like they love the idea of it but like and i play with theater kids too like i play with kids that are big theater kids and so like there might be one kid that's like yeah and i gotta do this and let's talk here and and other ones are just like "Uh." um but um uh you know it takes a it takes a while for them to warm up really and that's okay so like what i do is i try to include um you know combat stuff and a lot of guiding stuff first and then gradually sprinkle in opportunities for them to role play uh i really try at the beginning to go over the ideas of improv specifically yes and they always assume that i mean that you can't say no like whenever i tell the kids like you should say yes and and work towards these things they're always like remember miss dorsher says you can't say no and i'm like no nope nope there was a time when my class said, Miss Dorshner said no is a bad word. I'm like, no, I don't want to teach that. <laughs> Say no when you need to, please. That was not the takeaway here. Um, <laughs> Raise hand. You know. No, kids, we're right. doing a full stop. We're doing a special right. lecture no. today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, no, let's talk about wh- when you should say no, for sure. Like, always feel comfortable. Um, but it was just talking about, um, you know, because a lot of kids, they're like, Michael Scott in the office in role play, in like role in improving and role play and stuff where it's just like totally it's just like well I have a gun well I have a gun yeah like they don't they're not going to play off each other they're just like I'm going to be the star of this show and so like I have one girl who plays right now and she gets scared really easily so she's always and she plays like a big old tiefling sorcerer and she's always like I run away and I'm like okay let's pause for a second you know like do you think that your character would actually abandon all of her traveling friends? Do you think that, you know, you think that she would actually be scared of this or is it just you that's scared? And what's another way that you can deal with being frightened? That's not just running away. And if you still feel like you would run away, then sure, let's do that. But like with adults, often it's like, if they say, I'm going to do this thing, you're like, all right, you do it with kids. They say it. And it's like, well, let's discuss that because like <laughs> with all of these things, it's going to be a teaching moment. You know, like they're still children, like every single like opportunity is a teaching moment to be like, actually, let's think about this kind of a thing, you know? And so I'm always going to be their first like foray into role-playing because like I can say like, you know, I can have a conversation with them and they can have like a one-on-one back with me because I'm not going to be like, well, I don't know what to say now. You know what I mean? Like I can always be a comfortable partner where I can kind of Mm -hmm. like egg them on and stuff like that. But what I do when I try to get them more comfortable in talking with each other is I literally just say, okay, you're camping out for the night. Do you talk about anything? You know, like just prompt them to be like, do you have a conversation? You're walking along the road. What do you guys talk about? And sometimes it's inane stuff. You know, sometimes it's just like, hey, did you see that neat tree over there? But sometimes they're like, what are we going to do about this thing? And I don't know. And I'm scared. Like just kind of little prompts for like, hey, are you talking right now? Because sometimes they forget to actually talk, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. a big way to just kind of get them more uh, comfortable, but it's like it's always going to be an ease into it. I think. Yeah, makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. So, what is the question that I have skipped and people in the chat are accusing oh. me of being the unbenevolent dictator, <laughs> having done this intentionally, which I have chosen to neither confirm nor deny. So. So you might not have skipped it, and I might have just been dumb. But I have the 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 one that messed me up is because you went to what rules and elements of the system. But I had approaching D and D, even the relatively lightweight five E, can be intimidating for adults. How do you make it easier for kids? Yeah, I think we'd actually sort of talked about that one some. 
I had like a whole bunch of stuff though. So I was like looking back. at my notes and I was like, those aren't the notes for answering this question, but my brain is getting confused because that's the order they're in. I'm sorry. So <laughs> let's go back to this question then. Okay. I think you just yeah, did also I... a really good job of like answering a bunch of this from the question before of how do you explain <laughs> stuff? And right. then it segued right into the rules and elements, but absolutely let us talk about this. Well, because here was where I wanted to like show some of my resources oh, as yeah, yeah, well. Absolutely. If uh, you wanted to do that. Um, so um, I like, we can start first with the class explanation that I made. Yes, which would be much better if my eyes would process where that is. Bingo. Um, <laughs> and let me put the window capture. There we go. Um, so, so they are now looking at the class explanation. Cool. So I put a lot of time and effort into making this uh, for this current... Um, uh, sorry, I'm pulling it up on my own thing so I can look at it too, because that will make it easier if I can actually look at it and uh, see. And why aren't you here? You I'll also just say, while, oh, while, while Rachel is finding this particular document, um, in the chat, I just dropped in a link to Helpful Goat Gaming has... Um, all of these resources from Rachel, who's very kindly agreed to share them. Um, you can follow that link. All of the resources are there as views so that you can download them, use them, etc. Um, I'll periodically keep posting that link in the chat. And yeah, so I made all of these things. Uh, some of them, I like some of like a couple things I took from the internet and stuff, but like the class explanation and later the race explanation and stuff is something that I made. So if you see up on the, the screen, I have D&D &D classes, and I took every class and just got a, uh, pictures, just simple pictures, because kids really like to be able to see, you know, what they're talking about. And then I just did a super basic explanation of it. So like barbarian, I want to be a warrior. I fight with swords, axes, or hammers, and I don't wear armor. That's for the weak, and I'm strong, but not very bright. Like... That's all they need to know about barbarians. That's all kids care about. They don't want to, they don't care about rage. They don't care about, you know, if they have the different totem of the whatever and yeah. stuff, they'll care about that later as they go and they get to make those choices. But like, they want to know, am I shooting an arrow? Am I punching people? Am I casting spells? Oh, and so, right, exactly. Uh, but so I made all of these and I basically, I go, I, I print them out for every kid and we go over it together individually. And I have them, um, star you know their top three that they're interested in and then we can work together to build a balanced party because otherwise like every kid would be a sorcerer you know i have literally had a sorcerer in every single kid campaign that i've Vila done kids are like <laughs> yeah kids love sorcerers um but uh you know like they they want to know which class punches the hardest they want to know which one uh lets you throw fireballs uh, they also, if you want to put up, if it, unless it's too much effort to keep having you put up different things. No, not at all. Uh, if you want to put up the race explanation too, I made that, and it's a little bit different, where it's a lot less information. It's just bullet points, because class really is what's most important, right? In in D and D is like that's like really what guides what you do. Yeah. What and you then do, how for, you do for, it. Right, and for the race one, like. They don't really care that much, you know. They want to know does it match up well. Some some of them want to know if it matches up well with the class they chose. Some of them don't care. Some of them want pointy ears. Some of them want to be a dragon. I have so many kids. My first campaign, I'm pretty sure, had four dragonborns in it. And it was just like, yeah, sure. 
so yeah, like they just want to know the super basic things. So I basically, you know, went through the book and just created these and showed them to the kids. And it's just so much easier than trying to actually explain like uh, how each class works and how these things, uh, because here's the thing, like also like to explain the difference between a wizard, a warlock and a sorcerer, you know, it's, it's a lot. So this yeah. can also be good for adults. So you could basically see like, why is a warlock different from a sorcerer or why is a wizard different? Like, I don't fully understand. Um, Cause this just like breaks it down to the super base things that they're actually interested in. Yeah. Um, and yes, Elise horn is a, is a good thing. Kids choose that. They're like, Oh yeah, I want horns. Yeah. That's cool. I, I mean, Let's be fair. Charity has been very obsessed with the fact that he is currently missing. Um, right. Like, and th- then I also like that dwarf is defined by beards, which feels very yes. traditional. I'm not. I'm, Absolutely. I like, it, it feels very traditional, but it just I like that you know you do have different people have pointy ears, which I am not going to lie. I would never have thought. Oh. I, I kind of cast myself as hopelessly out of touch with kids and I'm actually not that bad, but like I never would have thought, Oh, there is a massive defining characteristic. I care about the scales, the beard, the horns. I get all that. I'm like 20 years. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have had a lot of elves in all my campaigns as well. Cause kids are like, yeah, cool. Pointy ears. Let's do it. Elves right. are neat. Um, if you wanted to pull up, I'm going to remember what I named things. Um, somewhere. Oh, the D&D stat explanation? It's a picture. Ah, uh, yes. The the tomato. So I found this on the internet, and it's, like, I... So, the like, the question was about, like, how do you make things, you know, easier when everything is really intense? So I just try to be, like... Like, try to explain things pretty simply. So I really like this one. Strength is being able to crush a tomato. Dexterity is being able to dodge a tomato. Constitution is being able to eat a bad tomato. Intelligence is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit-based salad. And charisma is being able to sell a tomato-based fruit salad. Like, I always really like that because, like, that is something that kids can connect with and make sense. It's funny and it's quick. And, like, trying to actually explain to them what, like, dexterity is or constitution, you know, those aren't things that they you know, really think of. And then huh. were you going to say something? No, no. I just, I was seeing the handwritten little quote that it had in there of that. That is the completion of, I believe the Reddit meme of wouldn't mm-hmm. a tomato based fruit salad, just be salsa down yep. the bard. <laughs> I incidentally <laughs> exactly. use some version of the tomato. Like attributes are your relationships to a tomato or the actions you have on a tomato uh in the goat's guide because it's like yeah oh, nice. it's great it's super yeah lightweight. i saw i saw the reddit meme a while ago and i was like this is a perfect way yeah. to explain this and then if you want to click on skills list breakdown breakdown what is the alphabet <laughs> nice so i really like this because it just basically tells you like what you're good at and what you know so, like, acrobatics, I'm good at tumbling, flipping, and rolling. Like, that's all you need to really know about acrobatics, you know. And so I talk a little bit later on about um, about creating characters and things like that and how we pick those skills. But mm-hmm. for the kids, it's just kind of nice to know what they mean because, like, a kid's not going to necessarily know what, like, sleight of hand means or insight, insight. or, <laughs> you know... That, like nature like like they know what nature means but in the sense of like how does it affect D and yeah. things like this 
Um, so I always put this on like the back of their, cause I, I print out all this stuff for them. Cause I like to actually have them, mm-hmm. you know, have these things so they can actually see. And we go over each one and it also kind of gets them a little bit invested into the thing. Cause even if they're not going to have, you know, acrobatics or animal handling, they get really excited at the, like, at like this brings up a lot of creativity of the prospects of things they could do with their character, you know? Um, and I think that that's good for showing what I'm showing for now, but, um, now we're back. uh, you're going to also need to expect that, um, that your players are not going to remember this, you know, <laughs> like they're going to want to track something in a forest. So, but somebody's going to, but it's going to be like the person, like, they're going to be like, I don't know, we should track this. I'm not going to be like, all right, make a survival check if they have negative two to survival or whatever, you know, I'm going to like, just like I talked about a little bit before, remind them like, okay, who has the highest survival skill? Let's look and see, because um, if it's not something a character would normally do, you know, I don't want them to be like penalized for yeah. thinking of something, but not having it be what their character would do. Um and then last but not least for this part, I swear this one was a really long answer. So <laughs> I'm really sorry that we skipped the majority of this one. I was apparently just like, yeah, you had already delivered what seemed like a really complete answer. So I'm like, and we're moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I wrote five pages of notes for this, so it's all fine. Um, I, hope you, I mentioned I before. I hope you enjoyed oh. doing that because otherwise I feel oh, really yes. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a teacher. It's fine. I'm used to over preparing for stuff. Um, I mentioned before that like my first session never involves D&D. We go over the races, we go over the classes, we go over all the things, and then I make sure that we build a balanced party. I never let it be that everyone's a magic user. I always make sure at least one person has some form of healing spell. Usually a bard, because nobody ever wants to be a cleric. I've never had a kid want to be a cleric. Um, a little preachy. But like... Right, like my current one is sorcerer, wizard, bard, monk. So like our monk is our tank. They are a squishy party. But I keep that in mind for when I'm doing things with them. Um, but I always let them roll. You know, like I let them roll their their 66, right? And then do the whole, like I, and I record the rolls. But, and this is where I said it's good for, you to familiarize yourself with how things work kids are going to get very confused if you have them create their own character sheets it's a lot like i'm very practiced at it i've probably made 40 character sheets in the last year (laughs) it still takes me at least an hour per character sheet because it's just because i'm also putting in the time to put things into kid-friendly language and things like that but so you talked about the question specifically talks about like with everything being as intense as it is in 5e and trying to make it more understandable. Um, I don't ask them stat questions. I ask them real questions about how are they like envisioning their character, you know? Mm. So do you want to fight with swords or do you want to fight with an ax? Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? So then I can craft their character sheets on my own. It is definitely the most amount of work that I ever do, but you only have to do it once, you know, like it's a one-time thing. It's very front loaded. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I mentioned before, and we can show an example later, I think that I'll get to a point later, uh, where I can show an example of character sheets where I've written out their, um, abilities and things and not use the very convoluted way that the player's handbook writes it. (laughs) Mm. 
so yes, I think I have covered that question that we skipped. <laughs> awesome. Um, given that that was actually a pretty long one, I think this is a good uh, chance to take a quick break, take like five minutes. Um, everyone can stand up, uh, stretch legs, grab a drink, um, adult beverage or otherwise. <gasps> We're not here to judge you. Um, and yeah, we will be back in just a couple of minutes. Um, I know it's still the midpoint, but thank you so much for doing this, Rachel. This is super fascinating. Um, I'm <laughs> really enjoying getting to hear about this and getting sort of another perspective. Yeah. Thanks for letting really me good. ramble about teaching children. Uh, we love it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we will be back in just a few minutes, everybody. Uh, hang tight. Hey, everybody. We are back from either mandatory stretching time or mandatory beverage time or, or mandatory both. Chris leaving time. I'd like that last one the least. Um, I'm fine with either mandatory stretching or mandatory beverages. Um, just as a reminder, we are here talking about D&D 5e for kids, DMing, setting up games, but that a lot of these lessons, and you'll see this if you've been in the chat at all, are really, really, really applicable to new players generally and everyone generally. Um, we are talking with Rachel, our friend of Grossest Rachel fame. I'm not sure if that's fame. <laughs> Your Twitter is at Grossest Rachel. Infamy. Infamy. Yeah. Um, who has played a variety of campaigns with us, uh, is currently playing Inspire, will be playing in an upcoming tier campaign, uh, and is an all-around awesome person who has a lot of experience with uh, DMing and teaching D&D <laughs> to kids, and kindly agreed to come on and talk to us about it. So we had just skipped back to this question that I had callously cut over uh, and apparently involved like your explanations of about half your handouts. So I really <laughs> almost destroyed the runtime of this entire segment um, by doing this. And then, so I think that the last thing that we had answered before we skip back was how we kept kids engaged during role playing. Mm -hmm. um, so then the next question, how long of a session do you recommend for kids? Because I have seen such wildly different expectations for adults. Where I saw someone online where they're like, yeah, but it's not a real one shot unless it's 10 hours, right? I They stone cold meant that. I'm like, I love mm. D&D. I will hit the table and just be like, no, I, <laughs> I cast fireball on myself. Am I down right. yet? I mean, I've done a 12 hour one shot before, not with children, but it's like a... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing a child trying to do 12 hours of D&D at one table. <laughs> no, I've done I've done overnight trips with kids with school and 12 hours of anything straight is too much for a kid. Um, for a time. So when I first started doing this, I was doing it through the school that I worked at as an after school program. Like my school really uh, encouraged teachers to stay after and do after school clubs, which they could charge money for themselves it wasn't like you know there's like a teacher would do it and they could say it's free or they could say you know it's 20 dollars for the quarter or whatever like it wasn't and it wasn't a requirement of teachers to stay mm -hmm. after it was just like a hey it's a way for you to make some extra money and, and connect really with the kids yeah. right so like we had a, mag a magic the gathering club at school there was crafting club there was minecraft club like i told you it was a nerdy school um but i started as this and technically you have like an hour uh you know from four to five but the kids have snack and they do other things in this so like usually it was about 45 minutes too short <laughs> i did it because i had to because those were the time constraints but 45 minutes is a is just too short because kids do not move through this quickly mm -hmm. like there's a lot of you know 
discussing and what talking am I and doing? arguing and what am I doing? And yeah. So right now I do, um, I don't work for that school anymore, uh, but I still do D and D with some of the kids that I knew and we aim for at least meeting for two hours. So okay. some of that time is just talking and catching up. I always have the kids, you know, similar to other people. I always have the kids tell me what happened last time because it kind of helps them. Um, uh, and we meet on roll 20 now since, you know, we're all stuck inside our homes. Uh, um, but I feel like two hours is a good upper limit, you know, like an hour and a half, I think, is the sweet spot that I have found where it's just enough time for some adventure, maybe a puzzle solving, some combat, uh, a little bit of role playing, rest and then done. Uh, I try I recommend to try and not make it so that you have to cut in the middle of combat because when I was doing it at school i had to do that all the time and it was a really big pain Ooh. in the butt where i just had to take a picture of the of yeah. the like you know the figures and try and set them up again like last time and um but yeah i think an hour and a half is pretty good amount of time for a kid to be able to sit still and do a thing with you and get your stuff out and then move on from it and also get to like enjoy it and actually engage with it because that's because yeah. that's one of those things because i, I kind of figured yeah there's there was going to be a bound and most people would probably think of the bound at the upper end of, okay, they're going to get squirmy at some point or just not be able to hold mm-hmm. that attention. And that makes a lot of sense. But I'm like, there's got to be a lower limit as well, right? Of you're just not putting out Where enough for them to get grab through onto. Things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I like being together for two hours and having about an hour, hour and a half of playtime in that time. Nice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You actually kind of just answered this in certain ways. Uh, what kind of content balance do you find works best for kids? I'm now nervous whenever I see you looking at your notes and I'm like, did I skip another question? <laughs> uh, no, you, you did. You did well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've hit on this uh, some, yeah. but uh, at the beginning, it's definitely combat heavy because it helps the kids to learn their characters, to be able to read their sheets better, that kind of thing. Like the very first campaign I did with kids was just an arena battle royale. There was almost no actual role-playing. It was just like, cool, you're in this thing, you're going to fight these monsters, go. <laughs> you know, And that was fine, but like it's, it's good to introduce combat first, because that's something that at least like they have a guideline for, they can follow, they can do. And like I said, you know, role-play comes later, and you figure it out as you... Um, are doing it and they branch off more and do it. But like, keep in mind that you might also just have certain kids that are always going to be too shy and nervous to yeah. role play. I have right now, my group is four girls, three of whom are theater kids. One of whom is not. And the one who is not is just, she's enjoying herself. She, you know, participates in battle and this or that, but she does not participate in role play. And like, I give her opportunities, but if she doesn't take them, I'm not going to force them on her because like, that's not everybody's bag, you know, and it's fine. It's funny because she's the bard. It's always the bard. Okay. And then we have another, the girl that plays the sorcerer is uh, very verbose and, and talks a lot and very exaggerated in all her movements. So she's always, I'll say, who would like to tell us what happened last time? And she's always like me, me. And the last time she did that, the girl who's very quiet and played the bard, uh, private message me. I think that Grace is a bard in real life. <laughs> just like it made me smile because I really liked that she said that. But yeah, like really, it, there has to be a balance. But it's usually leans more heavy towards combat and puzzles and things like that. And then it will can when the kids kind of show you that they're ready, they will. 
like you'll give them a little thing like a, a thing and they'll talk with you and that'll be it and you'll give them a thing and they'll talk a little bit more and then and then suddenly they're talking the entire time and you have zero combat at all in that round which would happen for the first time ever the last time we played so awesome yeah awesome yeah i think that that's and, and i think that again i just try to like i'm trying to as we're going through this pull out some of these higher level themes a lot of what i'm hearing is understand that they're kids start with the thing that in dnd is the most structured combat has a literal structure right you know exactly like, oh, it's your turn you can do x y and z things on your turn it's now no yep. longer your turn so that that structure can help them a little bit and then with especially like the role playing or the other elements present them with opportunities and keep presenting them with opportunities but let them engage the way they want and make sure yes. that no one feels pressured to well you're not doing it right if you're not talking right now or um yeah that makes a lot of sense i also find well, this kind of oh sorry no no go on i was i was just i saw sam's comment about maybe they're picking character types that they would find desirous in themselves and i think that's a good you know point of where they're like oh this character seems really cool i wish i was more like that and like you as a the, the dm for kids you just have to be understanding that maybe that's what they want but they're not maybe they're not ready to actually do it so like don't be like you're the bard you should be talking more and interfacing more and doing this because like maybe that's what they really wanted to do but they're not actually comfortable with it and you should just be okay with that yeah so maybe encourage them give them opportunities to and i would i would imagine also um really strongly reinforce it when they do like yeah that mm -hmm. was you know that was really well done because it, it would seem to me yeah. especially for i can think of my own experience of starting to play dnd i was really nervous actively role playing like mm -hmm. i didn't know exactly what i was doing that's I was the hardest of, part yeah i was kind of scared of screwing something up or like no your character would never say that and you know like it was really nice when people were like oh that's cool or i like that and you know that that just that sort of feedback mechanism can be really valuable and i think that that's probably seems to me generally true with kids mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah they, they're they trying Absolutely. to learn and grow encourage yeah. them to um I think we've touched on a bunch of special challenges for DMing kids that people should be aware of, uh, but any that you particularly want to call out? Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge I've found is the struggle for who gets to dominate the group and make decisions. Like, uh, you know, they're kids, but and they're still figuring things out. You know, kids are still learning how to do that stuff in regular life. But you are sometimes there is a kid that is sure that what they're suggesting is right and they refuse to even listen and they're just like i'm gonna do this you know and the the challenging for dming kids with that are just challenges for interacting with kids in general you know so uh there's distraction obstinance rudeness that kind of stuff um i just always try to guide their communication when they talk about things um try not to get mad and upset. I mean, so like I said, first and foremost, I'm a teacher mm -hmm. and I have pretty intense views on certain things. And one of them is, is you do not get mad and you do not yell. Like I can be an intense person. People who know me know this. I do not yell in the classroom. I do not yell at kids. I do not get mad at them. There have been times where I've gotten like stern when a kid accidentally got kicked in the face and bled all <laughs> over my classroom 
but it wasn't like what are you doing you know it was like oh god go get that you know but uh yeah it was a math game gone wrong what can you do <laughs> it um, was more we're doing emergency medical aid children yeah fun new learning module <laughs> but kids i mean adults don't react well to being yelled at but kids especially do not so like when a kid is being for lack of a better term a dick and being very obstinate about things and like no it's going to be this we're going to do it my way like you need to do your best to not get mad at that kid don't don't yell at them don't snap at them try and say like okay i see what you're saying can you explain your reasoning for it and then maybe so and so can explain and i mean it can be tedious but like that's how it is with kids if you want things to actually work you need to be able to to be willing to put in that work you know what i mean that's some of the Um, labor you're agreeing to take on whether you're teaching parenting mm-hmm. dming for kids and i have definitely lost my cool before with the kid in my D club and he has stormed out because he kept just doing a thing like nobody is perfect okay yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just that like you know one of the things is like kids are kids are gonna be like i want to do what i want to do you're gonna have some kids that do it more than others and you just need to be able to navigate that and a lot of that is just trying to tap i mean a lot of things with working with kids in general that I think a lot of people miss and I don't want to be like, I know so much about children, but like I do, <laughs> but uh, is, is trying to tap into their empathy. You know, like kids are still learning how to interact with people. They're still learning how to talk people without like, they don't always realize when they're being offensive or they're being rude or they're being whatever. So some of it is just trying to tap into their empathy and being like, could you like, what if I said this to you while you were playing? How would you feel if I did that? Okay, so how do you think this person feels when you're saying this kind of a thing? A lot of it is just like, you're gonna have kids that that are gonna fight against you and you need to be able to to work with them in a way that's not angry and will still move things forward, yeah. if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. This is literally just a follow on to this question, but that I thought of one of the things like I said, I, I, I read and I contribute to a lot of D&D forums and I think about a lot of these questions. Um, a pretty common sort of horror story on there is the player that insists X works Y way of like, no, I am, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you find that more of an issue with kids or less of an issue? Do you mean like a skill or something? Like they'll uh, argue about like a skill works a certain way or Yeah, or that the I absolutely can do this or generally Oh god, no. Okay, I I, I didn't really I am the I am the be all end all of D D knowledge. They see me as like the deity of like I know everything, what I say is law. And I'm not like I don't, you know, say that, but like they see me as like you know everything. So yeah. if you say I can't do this and you tell me why, then I believe you. Okay. And that was <laughs> at, least and, with, at least with kids. And I've had some like kids whom I love. I mean, some of my favorite kids are the most difficult ones, you know, and but I've had some ornery kids who it's still like, trust me, I am telling you this for this reason and I am correct. And they like I've never had a kid truly fight me on it because they just don't have a grasp of the stuff well enough to be able to do it. So, and I could certainly see that it was just, it was kind of interesting as you were discussing this kind of the, the role taking the empathy and the thinking about it, that I would say that in the wider sort of D and D online, people asking advice of each other, that's probably the two biggest complaints that I see or the two most common threads that I see is players who have DMs who 
wrongly or rightly, are consistently ruling something away. Oh. And... You know what we can do? What? Let me bring it up myself. I have a thing. It's a dumb thing that I made. Um, Probably going to disagree. Do you remember what I called dumb. it? <laughs> Is it the D&D contract? Yes. And should I bring it up? Uh, let me look at my own. Um, oh my god, why are you so weird? Not you or me, the computer. It's fine. Uh, you ain't <laughs> wrong. Um, so I would say that, oh, Google Docs encountered an error. Cool, thanks, Google Docs. Google Docs does not like displaying this. Like, I'm looking, I'm just going to go ahead and show people what's currently on my screen. It is half of the document. It's like, yeah. I'm going to give you the D&D logo and then half of the text. And no, you don't need to read the right side of this paragraph. It is unimportant. So, you know, what I did is I made it with with word first. And I think that's the problem is that it just didn't port over well. Is it in landscape? Sadly. I don't know what it is. It shouldn't be. Because it looks like it um, might be wider than it is tall. But it shouldn't be because I printed it out. It's a portrait thing. Okay. But basically, I do this silly contract thing i will give where, you all the first half of it <laughs> right where i make it them say like you know i hereby vow to be a good member i make it sound you know fancy and crap but um you know i try to have it be like where you know i promise to remember that mine is not the only good uh i thought i might have a different version in my own let me just see and if i don't then don't worry about it Eh? Yeah. No! It opened it right first and then it messed it up! <laughs> you monster. <laughs> I feel betrayed. Okay, now it opens on mine. So, apparently the copied version I sent you didn't you didn't like it. Uh, okay, I'm gonna read it and you can listen to me. <laughs> uh, it says, I hereby vow to be a good member of Miss Dorshner's D&D Club. This means I will be respectful of all players, even if I disagree with them. I promise to remember that my opinion is not the only good one. Most of all, I remember that the whole point of Dungeons and Dragons is to have fun. So I will do my best to make that happen for me and everyone else here. So, like, I try to really just send that home, you know, where, like, they're understanding, like, this is supposed to be fun. You're not the only person who has good ideas. But I think that a good thing to also bring up and um, a good thing to also bring up and that you could also bring up with adults before you start playing is to say like, you know, you can do your best to try and defend a use of a spell, but I am the final authority here. Mm -hmm. So what we do in another campaign that I play in is it's our DM will say, I'm going to say you do it. You can do it this way. After the game is over, let's sit down and have a discussion where we could talk about why it is. Because we don't want it to be like sitting there and arguing for half an hour while everybody else is waiting, you yeah. know? So it can be like, hey, if you really want to discuss this, I'm open to it. But let's move on with the game and then go do that here. And I, that works for both kids and adults. Yeah. I found. I think that that's Sorry, also... my document didn't work. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I was just, I was opening and I'm like, damn, I don't know if this is my setup. Or then I was like, no, wait, I, I'm not viewing this through the stream. I'm just, this is what my Google Drive is doing. Yeah, um, I also, don't know why it hates Sam us. requested seeing more oh. of my, my t-shirt, which is a Piplup t-shirt. Of course he would. That's very cute. I didn't wear a cute t-shirt, I'm sorry. I have an octopus on my necklace. Outstanding. That's cute. You're summoning Cthulhu. 
Um, no, and that makes that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I think that um, that's a that's a really good thing to get them into this lab element of collaboratives. Mm -hmm. Shared or collaborative—a term that Andy really likes. I think it's a really good mm -hmm. one. Um, all right. Um, just sort of generally, overall, what do you personally find the most rewarding about playing D and D with kids? So, I would say the most rewarding thing is them like figuring things out and starting to come up with things on their own. You know, like generally they're really funny and clever, and they think to use spells in ways that I've never thought of. Or they're just like, "I'm going to do this thing," and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, you are. That's awesome." You know, like they're really creative. It's really fun to see them come out of their shell, and. I really enjoy being able to immerse them in a story that I create or like surprising them with twists and puzzles. Like I'll give them a puzzle and they'll be like, Oh, I think it's this. <gasps> it wasn't that. And they're just like, it's really fun. It really is just fun to see them have fun, you know, like to see them try and actively work it out. Or like I've started introducing a recurring character that they meet after every time they do a big accomplishment. And it's really cute to see their eyes light up. Like, and the whole thing is, is they get these fancy muffins from this character that gives them like, basically gives them an inspiration die, but they can keep this, uh, this muffin with them and they smell like rose petals. So every time I'll be like, Oh, you wake up and it smells like rose petals. And they go muffins. Like they're just like so excited about it. And so it's just really neat to see them like get really excited. And, uh, but also like, watching them learn how to work together and seeing, you know, learning who solves puzzles best or who, you know, fights this best and being like, oh, well, she should be the one to do this because she's our really strong one and I should do this. And like, it just really like, I really like watching them have fun and watching them kind of build that camaraderie and build those problem solving skills. And yeah, yeah it's just, I, that's the part I enjoy the most for sure. That sounds awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and it, I can also relate to that both in terms of like, yeah, that seems like that would absolutely be super rewarding as someone working with kids. And I, I would also say one of the takeaways that I have at a high level from this is if you're going to be DMing for kids, especially kids in this age, you're going to be a bit of a teacher no matter what. Like you might have been their teacher and then you DM'd for them, but it's like, no, yes. if you're doing this, this is not like the standard DM. Here is the world I'm building out for my players. You're constantly going to be teaching them about D and D and sort of going through that. So that that definitely seems like that would be super rewarding as someone did like collegiate teaching. Love seeing that growth, but it also seems like that that group cohesion that teamwork that that really cool moment of oh the monk punched him and distracted him and then the rogue slipped in and attacked him and the, mm -hmm. the sorcerer locked this person out and the healer made sure that we were all okay it's like that feels cool no matter what right you are <laughs> like yeah, when exactly. you hit that really cinematic moment of everything's clicking that's that's mm -hmm. awesome and it's it's a lot of fun i think that you um, in case we have any parents who are wondering about whether or not they should allow their children uh, D&D or if they're a little more bottom line oriented uh, on this entire thing, what advantages and benefits of D&D do you see for kids or like things that parents might want to know? Right. Um, I think that what I really like about D&D for kids is it teaches a different way of thinking. You know, like we talked about a little bit, you can't just do what you want to do immediately. You have to think like your character. You can't always be reactionary. 
you know, you have to learn how to have some strategy and wait your turn. Uh, you learn how to work together in a group. Um, uh, you learn how to share. You can't always just be the one that takes the best items and does all the things first. Otherwise, your friends aren't going to want you in their group anymore, you know? Um, it teaches them problem solving. And I said, though I hate this phrase, it also teaches uh, thinking outside the box. You know, like they have to think about different ways of doing things. And with any, like, with anything that you're teaching, you want to try and not just be like, I'm teaching you this, you are learning this. Like, that's the worst kind of teaching. Mm -hmm. The best kind is to give them some kind of problem that, like, prompts them to be like, okay, let me look at it from all these different angles and see how I can solve it in this. And D&D does exactly that, you know? like. It is such a teaching tool. Um, they have to come up with creative solutions for things. It's not always just, okay, I punched the goblin in the face and now I get to go do this thing. You know, like sometimes they have to come up with creative ways of doing it. Creatively Critical thinking. <laughs> um, also, math. So uh, I've played with kids in person and now I play online on Roll20. I still make them do the math themselves every time. I did not input their uh, player sheets into Roll20. I emailed them to their parents. When I level them up, I email them again, and they print them out, and they keep them in front of them. They just click the, you know, roll, roll the D20, D20, and then they tell me the thing, because, like, that's a big part of it. I make them do the math for me. It's like, okay, so you're adding in this, and you're adding in this. Okay, so it's plus four, plus two, plus you roll to 17. Tell me what that is. You know, like, I teach arithmetic, so it's like, I'm going to keep saying, like, yeah, no, keep doing that. Like, um... I make them do it every time. And also one last like final really good thing is it does help them to try and stay organized and keep track of things. Like I expect them to keep track of their spell slots. I expect them to keep track of how many sorcery points they used. I expect them to keep track of items that they get and their papers and things like that. And I, I help them. Like, I'm not just like, yeah, do it. But like <laughs> it does, it does help with like building those organization skills as yeah. well. Well, and I think that's also really nice because one of the things that's probably hardest about building organizational skills, not just for kids, but just people learning it, is that it, it can be such a delayed uh, reward for doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, you know, oh, mm -hmm. I don't really need to do this. I can scrape by on this. And then as more and more gets added, even then it can be hard to see it. Whereas in something like this, where there's a game, it's like, no, 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 look, you very immediately have a system and a way to organize it. And you don't have to come up with all of it, but you got to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that seems awesome. Yeah, it has a lot of uh, uh, scaffolding is the term that you know we use and yeah. things where it's like a lot of the stuff is already built out for them and you fill it in for them and then you're helping them figure out how to do it. You're not just like organize all this stuff yourself, you know. Yeah, it isn't here. Here's 15 things. Sort them right. and then keep D &D track stuff of them. has a lot of scaffolding in it already yeah. that you can like help guide them to understand it. Yeah, pleasant. Um, any advice, and this is, I think, like the only question that I have that addresses sort of where the audience is, the kids. Any advice for kids wanting to start out with D&D? Yeah, it's just a game. <laughs> it's there to have fun. Like, you're there to have fun with your friends and enjoy the fantasy. Oh, I wrote, enjoy the fantasy world of shooting poison arrows at direwolves and saving kingdoms. Like, that's it. You know, you don't need to worry if you don't understand all the rules or if you fail sometimes, you're gonna fail. Like you are, everybody fails in D and D. They fail roles. They make bad decisions, whatever it is. Um, and it's also okay if you're not the star of the show every time. Um, everyone has to start somewhere, and it's okay to start without knowing things. But it's just a game, and it's just there to have fun. Awesome. Yeah. 
And then we already sort of uh, touched on sort of advantages and benefits, but any advice for parents whose kids are saying they want to play D&D? Yeah. I mean, if you want to be that guide for them, you should research D&D yourself. And you can look at with the Galway's guide that he mentioned that he had, if he shares it. I don't know if he yeah, does. I can... I can drop it in here it probably <laughs> um, I, I might i might drop it somewhere adjacent to it because i'm pretty sure i use some words that uh most parents might not want their eight-year-old seeing fair um, uh as I we have never. several times on stream <laughs> don't pretend to be offended rachel <laughs> um like you don't have to be an expert uh like that comes with time and playing when i first started uh dming for kids i had a very basic knowledge and now i know a ridiculous amount about it just from like doing it over and over and over again um but you should have a basic understanding you know you should be able to understand how to make a character sheet there's guides online to help you do that um you should know when to make a perception check like don't expect they're not going to know you know you should understand those kind of things (laughs) How does advantage and disadvantage work? Like those kinds of things. You're going to basically be guiding kids in their understanding of the game. So while you don't need to be an expert, whatever you tell them is what they know about the game, right? But it's okay to still just have beginner's knowledge. Um, Kids don't know. They're just happy to be there. So don't stress out about rules. Don't worry if you don't know something. You can BS it on the spot and look it up later until you're familiar with it. Like sometimes kids will say, can I do this? And I'll be like, sure you know like it it doesn't matter like you don't like try just not to to worry so much about it the rule books are a guide like i said before like you decide how you want to use them you decide how you want to build it it doesn't it doesn't matter if you don't do it correctly or correctly as i said, as I said <laughs> let's, let's get air quotes around that correctly yeah uh-huh. awesome yeah i think that that makes um a lot of sense i think that that's really valuable uh one thing that you you kind of um, touched on this already, but just given the world, um, in it's not like you're really going to be running D and D for your child and their neighborhood friends or anything, or a bunch of school friends like over at your house uh, for mm-hmm. them right now. So you use roll twenty for like mm-hmm. the dice and the maps. Yep, and we use the cameras and the the stuff as well. So like. I, we use the Roll20 video because it's a lot easier than asking the kids yeah. to also like get Discord or get Zoom and then have it up there. Like, Roll20 has interface for cameras. So we use the cameras and the audio for Roll20. Uh, I build maps for it um, and they use it to roll dice. There have been times where I stupidly left first because I'm like, okay, game's done, bye. And then I come back next time and I see in the chat that it says, you know, so-and-so rolled a hundred thousand D100s and it just shows all the things there and stuff. So they like to play with it and figure out things and draw on the map and, and other stuff like that. But it, it's a really good tool. Like it also, there's a learning curve and you need to learn how to do it, but I'm sure there can be a thing on how to use roll 20 here or something sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've, I've thought about that. I, I know uh, our friend Elise has done that. I She's who that. taught me. I was going to say why I know things about it. And I know that Andy and I have both discovered this through painful trial and error. uh, Yeah. But it was like, it's super easy to learn. Like once Elise, you know, she did it with me over discord and it was just like, 
yeah, okay, if you do this, here's how you say this part, and do this thing, and do this thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. It's pretty simple. And there's a whole lot of functionality that you don't need to know. Yeah. Like, you don't need to use it all. It's fine. <laughs> and sometimes if you're me, you end up doing a live stream of D&D right after they did a function rollout that they didn't tell you about that it broke all the lighting in your game. Yeah, oh, I remember that. that was you can also just, like, if you don't want to do maps and you just you can do it over a phone call and just have google roll stuff for you yeah just google roll a d6 and it will roll one like you it yeah. doesn't need to be needlessly complex you yeah. can do it just by talking or by looking at each other you don't need a map like i like to make them because it's it's fun for me but like you don't need one you can just talk it out and uh and have google roll stuff for you like it's it's super it's it doesn't have to be complicated yeah Awesome. Um, one of the things we did was we asked in the, our Discord, um, which you can get to and get an invite link to with exclamation point Discord in the chat. Um, as to just some questions of people of like, hey, what questions do you have about D&D for kids and how you would go about this? Um, you are also more than welcome to post any questions that you have right now in Twitch chat. Um, I might recommend you use the goat oats, the little channel points thing in order to highlight them just so I notice them better or just, I don't know, all caps the word question at the start of it. It's just, I do have stuff streaming by on my screens. Um, and we're going to start with some questions from discord anyway. Um, Lena asked, and this was actually something that, uh, I was super interested. How do you handle sort of more adult themes? Oh, like the like death and violence and that kind of stuff. Yeah, bad guys. Yeah. I mean, people doing right. bad things. So with with kids, um, I uh, with kids, I generally don't include death of anyone but monsters in my campaign. You know, so like they'll fight a monster and they'll kill it. Bad guys are monsters. Like you could choose how you want to do it depending on if you want to have those discussions but like um monster death doesn't really phase kids generally you know if they're fighting uh an orc then uh it's not a big deal like often it's uh as soon as it's dead it's can i rip out the orc's tooth as a souvenir you know like <laughs> the kids i'm playing with now are very much like can i pry off its toenails and put it in a jar to keep and it's just like you can try, I guess. <laughs> Roll a strength check or a dexterity check for me, I guess. Um, I'm deeply uncomfortable. Do you ask these oh, questions about me? <laughs> right. Every single thing that that they kill, it's literally like, can I get some hair? Can I pull out a tooth? With one thing melted into a puddle, and it's like, is there glass around? Can I collect some of that into a puddle and put it into my bed? Like they're they just when it comes to like that kind of stuff, most kids. Um, like with violence and things like that violence with monsters doesn't necessarily bother them because like they've seen you know they've seen star wars they've seen whatever like minecraft. they've seen violence they've seen fighting yeah minecraft you fight you mean there's not like blood and viscera in minecraft not that star wars has blood and viscera but like um it's the, it's they, the advantage of all the weapons auto cauterize right exactly <laughs> um but like I generally also make all of my bad guys monsters, like j just for ease of not having to run into that. Like if you feel comfortable with your group of kids, but the thing is, is I'm none of their parents, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't want it to be that they go home and then there's like, 
well, now my kids are afraid of politicians or now they're afraid of this. And it's like, ah, uh, sorry. You know, like I just, if I make it, I make all the bad guys monsters. Most of the, you know, the death is monsters and they can handle that because it's been in their video games and their television. They're afraid of zombies. Well, and... yeah, no shit. They're... Right. <laughs> so that's pretty much how I handle that part. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, we, I think we talked a lot about this question actually in various places of how do you handle conflict among party members with kids? And does this differ from conflict adult party members in your experience? Um, because we kind of talked about, you know, the, the entire contract idea and just actively trying to get them to practice empathy. Do you have anything else in particular, maybe especially around that, anything that differs yeah. from adult party members? Uh, let me think. Or let me look through my crap. Um, let's see, how do you handle conflict among party members with kids? does this differ from conflict between adult party members in your experience i mean yeah we did we touched on this a bit a lot of it is just like i said communication and empathy it's just like i try to be a mediator for that you know where i try to just um do what i can to step in generally um uh the kids are gonna They're, they're not going to, they can't fully separate. They're like, oh, it's just your character that did that to me. So sometimes it's like, if you did this, it's like, well, I'm mad at you now. And you have to talk about it a little and stuff like that. But like, as I said before, it's just dealing with kids. If you're, if you can mediate conflict with the kids that you're around, then you could mediate conflict in game. I'm just going to sort of chuckle at this very long question of sometimes really long uh, from Sam and Discord. Sometimes really tense moments can happen during these games. Moments that the line between our characters and ourselves get blurred as you just directly segued into this. Uh, do you find that these instances, <laughs> do you find that instances like these happen more or less with younger audiences? And when they do, how do you navigate? Yeah. So like I said, for most kids, characters are just an their characters are just an extension of themselves. So there are some slight differences, but generally they're role playing how they are, you know, because that's what they know. Um, they just play like themselves, but maybe they'll have an accent, you know. <laughs> um, it's them, so, but outrageously French. Yeah, no, I have one girl who does a crazy British accent for her character every time. It's great. Um, but uh, so. Unlike adults, there's not really as much of a worry about like blurring that line because it's already pretty fuzzy to begin with. So, like I said, as long as you could, um, you're practiced at dealing with kid emotions and squabbles and things like that uh, in regular life, then it shouldn't be a problem. I usually say, like, you know, would your character do that, or is that, uh, or is that what you would do, or these other characters are your traveling companions. Are you sure that you would want to leave them and go do this thing and like? it's pretty easy to bring them back around. You know, I had one kid who always wanted to play different than what would fit or always wanted to do his own thing. And was very like, I always know the right thing, but he was a, a paladin who served this God that was always to serve and help people. So I would just kind of gently remind him like, Hey, you're supposed to help people. Your goal is supposed to always be caring for those things specifically from this. There will be consequences if you break off from that oath. And then it's just like, oh, you're right. And then he'll like, you know, say and do it. So sometimes it's just 
reminding them of like, hey, you're a paladin who's supposed to always help people and be good. So maybe stealing from this person would be bad. <laughs> Just for some reason, you're, you're, uh, something that you said reminded me of something from back in like the first campaign that I played as the party was having like a three-way disagreement about where we should go. Where mm-hmm. one person was like, we should go on the road. Another person was like, we should take the boat. And another person was like, well, yeah, but there's there was like this cave that I think had a legend of treasure in it. And like, we should totally go check that out because it's like right over there. We can see right. it. And like, I can't even remember all the dynamics. And it wasn't like getting anything too intense. But I just remember Andy, who was DMing, is like, yeah, um, all of a sudden you see this lion. And we're like, oh, OK, well, we're going to have some combat and then I guess we'll resume or maybe it'll push us somewhere like and you see from out of the cave, these massive they maybe are spider legs, but they're like hooks, like reach out, grab the lion and just pull it inside <laughs> the cave. And I just remember like everyone stops and I think we like all simultaneously like so boat or road and we need to pick <laughs> one because we're not staying here like Right. For five more minutes. God damn. Also, no, we are not going in the cave. The cave is bad. Um, so I, that's, that's always something I try to remember. With Like, sometimes the DM can give them a little nudge of just like, hey, there right. might be some unpleasantness right. that way. Just mm-hmm. a thought. Yeah, um, I like that. No, I just remember the image and all of us, like all of the players around the tables. We've just been having this, like, not argument, but sort of heated discussion. They're like, uh, <laughs> which way gets us away from here faster? Do we have to wait right, for the right. boat? Because if so, we're going on the road. Just, Jesus, get away. Um, <laughs> so uh, we, I think we talked about this one a fair amount as well. Um, but Sam asked in Discord, how do you encourage role playing? Do you find children to be receptive of it? Right. I mean, we, we did cover this a little bit, but yeah, it, or a little bit. I don't know. We covered it extensively, probably. Uh, but we like I said, it, it just start, it starts with in-game chatting. So I um, I try to give them someone they can talk to and interact with. I ask them questions. I prompt them to ask me questions. Um, they'll play a lot, a lot off of me first. Um, so if I'm not going to be doing a good job role playing, uh, they're not going to engage as much. So you have to be willing to like play off of them and and give them those moments. Like a part of it is also the DM being able to role play. You know, I also always prompt them to talk to each other. You know, we mentioned a little bit like, oh, what would you guys talk about? Or so, I, you know, it's like, wow, you just killed an owl bear. What are you talking about? What you doing? You know, and that just kind Monsters. of like, right. Oh, they named the owl bear Diego. Is very much like uh, the owl bear came it? out. No, while they were fighting it, the owl oh. bear's name was Diego. And then it was like, we must defeat Diego. And then they were like, can I steal Diego's beak? Can I just pry it off its head? And I'm just like, sure. You got a try knife. Yeah. I'm just picturing. I, I... Poor Diego. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm waiting for Lena's comment in the chat. Lena has a profound love of owlbears. I'm trying to see. It's on the far side of her desk. I bought her a small, like, it was like the, not the Funko Pop brand, but nice. a similar thing of an owl bear. Um, oh, if I had them with me, my friend Eileen, who she taught me how to paint minis, and I have an absolutely amazing owlbear mini that she painted. I love owlbears. Um, yeah. I, I love owlbears, but I was also traumatized by them because the first time that I ever came across them in D&D, Andy was like, they're a pack of six owlbears emerge from the woods. 
and then just like dropped in by the way with your nature stat you know that they are not pack animals they're solitary so something really weird is happening and we're like oh good that's just a lot of owl and bear and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be i love all of this no wait mm-hmm. it's the opposite um yeah. sam with uh, discord with a really uh, interesting question what's the easiest thing for you as a dm when it comes to running games with kids and what's the hardest um the easiest thing for me is really just to play with them and have fun like I know these kids really well. I've known them for three years now, and I've had them in class for two years. And these are kids that, like, I know extremely well, and they are very comfortable with me. Um, So it's nice because they trust me to not, like, lead them into a bad situation or give them a bad time, you know? And so it's really easy for me to just, like, just play with them and have fun and make jokes. And I like uh, crafting puzzles and riddles for them and giving them new situations they need to think creatively in. Um, the hardest part, I would say, is the same for any type of DMing, is that coming up with a cohesive story that has interesting characters and good combat and is compelling. <laughs> like, I spend thing. much of my prep time is trying to figure out, like, how to give them something new and interesting. And for the most part, they're not going to complain. It's like, go fight this, go fight this. And they're like, cool, yeah, got it, you know? But, like, as I've done it, more and more i've kind of you know like this time around i gave them a hero's journey and like you know like the first time i i played with the group i just did battle royale like arena fighting the second time it was like okay you have this quest go do it this time it's like okay you have this quest go do it they find it um i killed them all but then saved them i killed them all with an oni it was great uh, and then I and then I saved them with you know like a magical like uh, and then you wake up here and this or that and then gave them all of these like here are four items you need to go find go on all of these quests and then face it again kind of a thing so like it's super simple stuff but it gives them this goal and stuff and they've learned what uh, um what uh, what it's like to die because we also then really important and I don't want to forget to mention this talk about unconscious versus death with them before you knock them unconscious because <laughs> when they go to zero hit points they're gonna think they're dead and they're gonna cry or get mad so like have the conversation about zero hit points and death saves and being able to come back and like those kinds of things because otherwise uh you know it's going to be hard but even when i killed all four of them it was so great because it just kept ha- it was like dominoes like one of them went down and another one of them went down and then another one and they were just like oh God, what are Miss Darsha, you're evil! You're the devil! It's just, like, so... But then it was great, because then it was like, and then this happens, and they were just like, you're a monster. But they they trust me, you know? Yeah. Like, I've known them for long enough and built up to this that um, that I really... You know, like, they know I'm not going to be like, hi, you're dead! Build new characters, suckas! You know what I mean? But um, But, yeah, to get back to the actual question coming up with things to do is the hardest part but i think it's the same hardest part as being a dm for anything you know so so two things one (laughs) sam or someone else in the discord i really need someone to put in helpful quotes i killed them all with an oni it was great rachel dorshner about four children as the caption to that (laughs) Mm -hmm, i need mm -hmm. that uh and two um, I was just going to, I, I was just suddenly having flashbacks to tear and I'm like, 
No, the the hardest part for me is getting the party to like do something. As <laughs> in that my party was like, no, two of the party members were quasi seriously having a discussion of maybe we just stay in this abandoned place for like a couple of years and then we'll go see and I'm like <laughs> I don't I don't want to role play a name small talk between the four of you as the only existing people in this place. For yeah, two that's years. not generally a problem with kids. Yeah. So or or then the the fallback of their literal discussion of which I think took 45 minutes of how they were going to get to a place. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. Oversee land. I don't care. And then suddenly they're like, I can't remember who it was. I think it was someone in Twitch chat it was actually like, do you have a teleportation circle? And they're like, oh, that's a really good idea. Do we have access to it? I'm like. If you had access to a teleportation circle, don't you think I would have mentioned it? So generally, kids will hate that. So they won't do it. So you don't have to worry about them wasting a whole lot of time because they're like, I'm done talking. Let's go. You know. Like, so I should DM for more kids as well. Yes. Okay. okay. Definitely. They're, they're a little more plot and combat focused. They're going to keep going. They just want to get to mm-hmm. the next thing. Oh, oh, 100%. But it's like, it's... um. It's great to like, and don't think you need to be the perfect DM every time. Like, like I said, I just did an arena fight my first campaign because I didn't know what else to do. I gave them dumbed down versions of like a bullet and a beholder and stuff because they look cool. Uh, but like, you know, build up to it every time, like a little bit more. And there's also stuff online. My second campaign I ever did, I Google searched for and found like a whole laid out thing and just changed some things that fit better for myself. Nice. So like, don't think that you also need to come up with it all yourself either. Yeah. And I it mean, can also be, sometimes I do things where it's like, okay, you need to solve this riddle or you're going to have to do this thing. And I still make them do the thing. Sometimes I still make them fight the bad guy, even when they like solve the thing, because it's just like, yeah, sorry. Sometimes it happens, you know, like you can do whatever you want. Plus they're going to enjoy <laughs> fighting the bad guy. I mean, let's be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that, I think that that's all really good advice. Sorry. I, I had a reaction as you were like, yeah, I just ran my first one with these kids and I just like gave them a bullet and a beholder and I didn't process the dumbed down version. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. wow, goddamn, <laughs> that's actually sadistic. Like, I know you don't fully that's- understand the rules of this, by the way, spellcasters, you do not exist anymore. Right. Yeah. No, it was like, there was no anti-magic cone. There was no anything. But then I also like, I gave them a red dragon and it was a young red dragon, but we said it was a teenage red dragon. So then they maybe do like an obnoxious Valley girl, teenage voice. And one of them kept was like asking her to prom. And it was just like, it, it was a whole thing. And they'll run with it. If you give them a little bit sometimes, you know, so. I really uh, wish that amongst like all the talent that we have at helpful goat, we had more people who do animation because I could use an animated campaign diary of some of the things you're describing. I just want a bunch of kids trying with one of them yeah. trying to ask a young red dragon to prom mm-hmm. and just like, mm-hmm. he made his voice crack and everything too. It was, it was really great. Okay. I'm, I'm just enjoying like the 10 year old. <laughs> 16 there's there's just just so much there's so many levels of beauty working here yeah Uh, that's great uh at least on discord asks how have the kids surprised you while playing we keep hitting really good segues of like they just asked a dragon to prom oh i got more oh i'm i'm sure you do and i am leaning back and just enjoying this so like i mentioned the last game that we played was the first game where like they didn't do a combat i usually plan a combat for them every time and i planned one for them this time 
And for the first time ever, they talked their way out of it and they role played the entire game. And I was like, and we, like I said, I've known them for three years. We've been playing this campaign since January, uh, once a week. Um, and, um, it was the first time that they fully role played everything. And so I gave them a bridge troll, you know, like there was a bridge and there was a troll on it and he gave them three riddles and they had to pass the riddle, you know, like get, guess the riddles to do it. And in my notes, they even said, if they get all the riddles, right, accuse them of cheating and fight them anyway. Like, cause sometimes I'm just sadistic and mean that way with children. Um, also for, for helpful s- quotes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Um, so they're on their way right now to a village that's been overrun by goblins to try and, you know, get the second relic that they need to defeat the Oni. Um, and, uh, they decided on their own, like, I was like, right, you're walking. What are you talking about? And they've decided that they're going to try and trick the goblins and disguise themselves as goblins because they have, you know, proficiency in disguise kits and other things like that. So they're talking about this, which I was already impressed with. They were trying to think of like, Tools you know, and solutions. Tools and deceit and, yeah. and doing that kind of thing just on their own without any prompting from me. And then they get to this bridge troll and, you know, he stops them. And I named him Trevor the Troll because they love silly things like that, like so much. They have a, a necklace that I gave them that protects them from being uh, possessed that I called uh, Tim's Shiny Trinket. And it's their favorite thing, like because they just like things that sound silly and dumb. <laughs> especially in like a fantasy setting they like things that sound like it shouldn't be there yeah so there was trevor the troll he gave them the 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 riddles and so they're trying to solve them and discussing them and they, they get the first one and they do well and our sorcerer decides that she's going to flirt with the troll and so and this is an 11 year old girl who's now flirting with me as a troll uh and she's just like uh the pickup line that she used was well, I'm glad I remembered my library card because I'm going to check you out. And so, like, I have to react to this as a troll. And sure, like, D&D trolls, not actually going to give a fuck. But, like, she put in this effort to do this thing. So I was like, well, I'm going to have fun with this then. So I made him seem, like, really uncomfortable. And the the monk just wasn't trusting any of it. And she was very much like, all right, let's get to the next one. And he's like, oh, well, I'm in a hurry. My boss, Tina, under the bridge, I need to get to a meeting. And she's like, who's Tina? We need to meet Tina. And so like, just really intense about it while the sorcerer is still flirting with him and saying all these like, you know, weird pickup lines at him continually. And he's starting to get like more and more flustered and uncomfortable while the monk is like, I need to meet Tina. And the other ones are like, we need to just go. And they get the, they, they get all three riddles. Like I was very impressed with them. They solved all three riddles. And um, then they start having this whole argument and he's like, all right, well, I guess I decided to let them go since they like befriended him and flirted with him and stuff. So I let them go and they all are walking and the monk is like, no, we need to find Tina. I need to go under the bridge. And so they like grab the monk and are dragging her, you know, across. And she's like, OK, I'm going to can I break away and run back? And I was like, sure. So I had a role, you know, like an athletics check or an acrobatics check, whatever. And she breaks away and runs back. And for the first time ever, the wizard just goes, I cast hold person. And I was like, what? You actually know your spells and you're using them like without even. <laughs> so she casts old person and she fails the whole person, and then so she's like, you know, frozen there. Oh, and I skipped the part. Oh, Sorry, Lord. because they befriended this troll and they want to trick the goblins. They decided that they needed hair to look all because I said he had matted hair and stuff all over. They needed hair to look the part of a goblin and stuff. So they asked the troll if they could shave his chest hair so 
and they passed a check and you know convinced him to do it so he's there with a dagger shaving his chest hair off as it's like raining down on them from above (laughs) and it's just i'm like okay so you're now covered in troll chest hair i guess and they're like all right i start collecting it anyway so she tries to escape she casts hold person and then she's like how big can i how big can i cast my familiar and i was like why (laughs) she's like well i want to i want to tie her to it and I was like, okay, so you can cast like the biggest, fattest cat you can think of. And she's a half, the monk is a halfling. So sure, let's just tie her to it while she's held. So like this whole time they actually were like playing their spells. And after whole person wore off, she cast charm person. So she wouldn't struggle while she was tied to the familiar cat and walking away. And then after this happened, the monk just, she types into roll 20 chat. When I am free, I am going to punch you in the face. And it was just like. <laughs> It was just so perfect, and it was so, like, troll flirting and shaving Shaving. a troll's chest hair, and then, like, trying to meet his boss, Tina, who I just made up on the spot because I needed an excuse for him to leave, and she was like, I'm going to meet Tina under the bridge, and I was like, ah, they're like, what if Tina's the Oni? And I was like, oh, God. There There is no Tina. There is no under the bridge. Yeah, but it was great because I didn't have to then like railroad them away from it. They were like, nope, hold person. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you know a non-combat spell, you know? I can't believe you didn't just fireball the monk. Yeah. (laughs) So like we've been playing for five months and now like she knows her spells. She's using them without me telling her they're role playing. Like, you know, it takes time. But like they did this entire crazy interaction with literally like out any pushing from me at all. That's awesome. Yeah, it was like we were all just dying. And the monk was just like, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, you're going to regret this. And her eyes were wide. And she was, and they're all friends, you know. And, yeah. and she was just like, wait until I'm untied. You think you're going to be safe while you sleep tonight? It's like, oh, and that's where we stopped. And we haven't played for two weeks because I sprained my ankle the day we were supposed to play and other things. And so I was just like, I was like, oh, God, I don't even know what to expect next time, you know, but it's good times. That's that. That sounds awesome, and that yeah. I, that would also be, I would argue, one of the most rewarding things for me personally as a DM of the party resolving a thing that could be in a combat encounter purely through role play, mm-hmm. especially weird role play. Yeah, I love it and when, let them do that. Yeah, I, I again, we've we've had a variety of instances where Andy will do things in games that I'm DM, and I'm just like. Yeah, sure. What the hell? Uh, roll persuasion. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. I mean, right. I, I have argued before that Stormbringer merely speaking to most enemies should inflict psychic damage. <laughs> because it is just like, a that's stupid. You're stupid. And your plan won't work. You're dumb. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there is no way that that is not vicious mockery. That's better than most <laughs> bards I've seen. God damn. Um, I will tell you that Vicious Mockery is one of their favorite spells, too. That makes for the total kids. sense. Chromatic Orb, Vicious Mockery, and Dissonant Whispers are the, are the, the top-loved spells. I did once roleplay use Dissonant Whispers, so I have a particular fondness for it, mm-hmm. to frame someone. Oh, nice. I had my character pop around a corner, and like we were in the enemy camp, and be like, no, I saw him conferring with the guards and then as pointing at him cast dissonant whispers so that he screamed and ran away and they're like oh <laughs> shit this dude's onto something knock him out tie him up you want a reward 
Like, yes. Nice. Also to leave <laughs> because I'm an enemy agent and I'd like to get out of this. Nice. <laughs> um, I like it. Elise also wanted to know, knowing what you know now, would you do the same things from the get-go or change it up if you were to start DMing another group of kids? Uh, I mean, every single time I've started a new group, group, I've changed things. So this is my third group, like I've mentioned, though I've had one girl who has been in all three groups <laughs> since the beginning. Um, uh, I always change things up. Like the the papers that I showed here were um, um, just for this recent time that I did. I restructured everything to explain things well and do it out. like. I think that I can always learn a little bit from it and what needs to do. I would say the next time I do it, I would probably talk even more on improv and role playing and try mm. to do, you know, maybe even some like improv warm up things to get them used to it and just to kind of get them more into that from the beginning. You know, um, I I think it's also I would probably put a little bit more work into getting them to think about the type of character they really want to play, not just what sounds cool, but what they think they can do. You know, um, and just sprinkle in more role play opportunities for them from the beginning to give them more of a chance to do that. You know, yeah, I think sense. those would be the main things I would change. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to read one last question from Discord, and you know which one it is, but I felt that it required an actual reading, not just displaying it on the screen. Fair. Uh, let's see. Have you ever wanted to strangle one of the kids? But then realize that you can't, because kids, shrug emoji, but then realized that you are the DM, and then created a monster to do it for you, asking for a friend. <laughs> so Chris, you can come check out uh, Rachel's response to your question uh, over on YouTube. <laughs> um... I haven't gone that far, <laughs> but I have threatened them where I have said, listen, if you keep being mean and doing things that are frustrating to me, I can just drop a rock on you and you will die. Like, <laughs> I have complete control over your life. Please don't forget that because I will kill you. And that usually stops them. This is I don't very... pull it out all the time, but yeah. like... This is very similar to... Um... I think it was Adam was asking me to originally explain what a session zero was in the concept mm -hmm. of overall D&D. And I'm like, so this is a good time to like establish tone, establish any boundaries or blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, OK, well, but like, what do you mean like establish boundaries? I'm like, like, so in session zeros, I will say if your character does one of the following things, I will instantly hit you with a level 99 fireball. <laughs> I know that there is no such thing. You'll be right. dead. Don't cross certain lines. I don't right. think it needs saying to anyone here, but just as a warning, I can do that. Right. I was like, hey, <laughs> you know what Meteor looks like twin cast and upcast to level 15? There's no mm -hmm, level 15. Mm -hmm. There is when I do it. Yeah. <laughs> you cross these lines, <laughs> there is now. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that makes total sense. And actually, that's a, you know, a useful thing. Just remind them, uh, remind them that sometimes there could be some consequences if they're being butts. Um, and then I did have a couple things that weren't mentioned in questions, if no, the yeah. questions were done, that yeah. I just wanted to make sure. I mean, I just want to reiterate, don't stress about the rules. Um, 
talk about death unconsciousness. I already I know I mentioned that, but it's really, really, really important. Um, also, uh, like I said, have copies of their character sheets and all their things uh, for yourself as well. Um, please adjust combat as you go. If they're level two and they're fighting some orcs and they look like they're going to die, don't kill them. Don't TPK your party because the orcs are stronger than you thought they were. Just fudge some rolls. Don't add some numbers when you could. They're not watching you like a hawk that way. The DM screen you know? is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. I do not let my kids be evil when we choose alignment. And the reasoning that I give is you would have to be a very good role player where you would tell me why your evil character is traveling with these non-evil characters and working with them. Obviously, it's possible to do with adults and, you know, those kinds of things to make them work out that way. But kids struggle with that. And I'm like, you you can't be evil unless you can really, really, really sell it. And I don't believe that you can, you know. So I would suggest the same for most people. Don't let your kids be evil. In life, do whatever you want. <laughs> I, I, I would also just off the top of my head feel like most kids, if they were like, oh, I'm going to be an evil character, have just firmly slotted themselves over into the chaotic evil in their definition of right. what that looks yeah. like. So it's like I once tried to explain to someone why I wasn't going to let them play like a chaotic evil character. I'm like, yeah, lawful evil is like you're an assassin. You you progress. Right. You follow rules. You might have a strict code of conduct about like, don't kill civilians. Chaotic evil is like I want a sandwich burn down a nursery. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah sounds fair. I, mm, but if kids want to be chaotic, mm, let them be chaotic, good or chaotic neutral. Oh, yeah. Because like that still allows for them to have that chaos element that quite a few of kids love. Oh, yeah. Um, I also want to say, make sure we talked about it a little bit. Make sure you make a balanced team. If you don't have a healer, that's bad. Um, but that's why I always have them go through with the classes and start their top three. And then we can kind of see, okay, who's actually interested in being support, who's actually interested in this. And then you can kind of, you know, mix it. And then lastly, adjust what you want. You don't need to pick a background for them. You don't need to use sorcery points. You don't need to use spell slots. It doesn't matter. Like if you don't know how sorcery points work, don't have your sorcerer have sorcery points. They don't know. You don't know. It's fine. Like it doesn't, it just feel free to change whatever it is that makes sense to you. They're not going to be going home and going through the player's handbook and being like, uh, well, actually I should have this many rages per day. And you said that I could like, they're not. So like do what works for you and they will be fine. Yeah. I think that, I think that's really good advice. And I think that you've also established really strongly throughout this book and book. Do what works for them. Like do what Mm -hmm. works for the table. It's like, yeah, you, you're, you're, you don't want to have the kid have to track sorcery points. Be like, you can do these cool things to your spells. I, right. I, I find so often DMs can get a little bit hung up on the critical theory of balance in D&D. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, there is literally a spell that lets me just change reality. <laughs> arbitrarily by saying it. Right. We're not playing a balanced game. <laughs> right. I can just be like, gravity's reversed. I don't mean the spell reverse gravity. I wish gravity was reversed. It's not changing anymore. It's everywhere. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, this is. Th- and I, I the- use sorcery points now and I use backgrounds now and I use those kind of things because this is my third campaign and mm-hmm. because I know these kids well. Yeah. So I knew how to explain it and how to incorporate it. But for the first two times I played, I didn't use those things at all. You know, I just didn't. Yeah. So, like, you can make it work however 
works best for you. Yeah. Awesome. And in the the documents, uh, I put in four examples of, I put in my current one, so I think they're level four right now. I put in four examples of character sheets and three examples of spell sheets. I opened where the sorcerer. I... Oh, yay. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Ival, the sorcerer. Um, so like on the, you know, on the bottom right hand side where all their skills are, I just try and put it in like super small, easy bulleted points. Um, and that, that is easy for them. And if you wanted to open up the spell one, too, that's where I actually put in the effort to rewrite everything. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I don't yep, know. It's open. Which spell one? Uh, I opened the sorcerer, sorcerer the... again. I just paired him. Okay, let me pull that up. Um, but yeah, like I write, you know, I, I at the very top, I you know I have their spell save DC, I have their attack modifier, so it's right there at the top, easy to see. I do things in order, cantrips, I say, you know, how long they are, and then I just write out exactly what's happened. You create a ghastly hand uh, within 120 feet of you at a creature. Make a ranged spell attack. If it hits, they take this damage. That's it. Some of it is like, make a ranged spell attack, and if they do this, then you kiss their grandma, and you do this thing. Like, it's always some random crap. Like, the spells are so needlessly complex, so just write out simplified versions for the kids. And often, that all, that's all that matters. And often arbitrarily written, as Lena will often point out, of like, there are two ways of reading this sentence. Like, yeah. there is no, no rules as written. <laughs> and, like, for, for spell slots, just next to where it says first level spells or second level spells, I just put little boxes, and they fill them in with a check mark when they've used a slot. And they erase it when they rest. It's super easy to track. Um, and, uh, and, I see you did and pay attention to. Yeah, I do that for, uh, I did that for the, her sorcery points for her meta magic so she can like decide. So we went over when she leveled up which meta magic options she wanted. And then like here, so I'll, but I just remind her when she casts a spell, I just say, okay, remember to check off your first level spell and be like, oh yeah, right. And they just check it off. It's, it, it, I waited a while to introduce this stuff, but now that I have, it's very easy for them to track. But these are my 11-year-olds. I don't know if the 8-year-olds would have, you know, when they were 8, it might have still been too much for them, you yeah. know? So just just see how it feels. But, like, you know, they don't, they don't need to know all of these crazy things. They just need to know that they shoot fire out of their hands to somebody 120 feet away. How do you hit? What damage does it do? That's all that matters. This is music you know? to Lena's ear. That's, that's <laughs> just all she wants to know is... You shoot fire out of your hands at 20 feet away. Yeah. Um, and I think that the other thing, just again, um, I think an underlying point that you made uh, that's probably worth it for people, worth remembering for people who are trying to build up to this, probably when in doubt, go smaller rather than bigger. Mm-hmm. Because that will keep them from bouncing off of the complexity. Like, if you're not sure that they're ready for spell slots... Do it without spell slots. You can always add them yeah. next time or add them in as you're going. But if you if you put them in from the beginning and it's too much for them, they're just going to go. Right. So like Scorching Ray or not Scorching Ray, that's a big one. But like something like, uh, you know, I don't know, Mage Armor. It's like, yeah, you can cast that as many times as you want. Something like uh, Chromatic Orb. It was like, you can do this two times per long rest. You know, like just... 
make it work however makes sense to you and whatever works for the kids. Yeah. Like I've worked up to being able to use these things now because I understand them deeply. I didn't use spell slots until I understood spell slots, yeah. you know? So like there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just make it, you know, fit for the kids that you're working with. Yeah. And I think that, you know, again, you can always go back and you can change it. You can do it, but it's probably going to be better to add more complexity later on as everyone is more experienced than it's going to be to have, too much complexity and lose the kid of i don't know what i'm yeah because if you make it if you make it too hard too fast they will like you will lose them yeah it is so much better to make it too easy and if you see that they're getting bored throw in something hard yeah if you see that it's too easy you can you know create a monster on the spot to to fight them or create some kind of something like but if you make it too hard they're gonna think i can't do this so i'm not even gonna try yeah you know, Just. even like with teaching in general, when mm. I when I teach math concepts and things, I always joke with the kids. So like, let's say I'm going to be teaching like four digit plus four digit addition. Right. Uh, and we're stacking it or doing different kinds of things. And it's a little bit more complex. I always start out with what's one plus one because they can do it. Like, I yeah. know it sounds ridiculous, but like giving them a win makes them feel confident yeah. you know so I'll always be like okay guys i'm gonna give you a really hard problem and like you're gonna struggle with it and that's okay because struggling is a part of learning but like we're gonna do this together and then i'll write one plus one and they'll all be like oh my god i can't do it it's so hard you know like they like to play into that crap and then you know they'll put the answer up to two and then it'll be like all right what's 10 plus 10 or, you know like ramping it up a little bit makes them feel like they feel that confidence and that helps them to feel like, yeah, I can do this. And then you can give them the harder things, you know? Yeah. Because if you come at them, yeah. If you come at them with them cold, it's just, it's too much. It's intimidating. And I was going to, the thing I was going to say is it seems to me in the back of my mind, mechanically as well, uh, the joy of this is if you want to add more complexity, like not just to a monster or something else, welcome to the joy of a level up. You can yeah. be like, hey, you're level three now. Now you have these things called spell slots where mm -hmm. it changes from this to that. And like, again, it's not like they're going to go into the player's handbook and be like, no, right. I've always had these. What the hell are you talking about? The you know? should have known about spell slots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can just level up and be like, you got this now. Yeah. And that's and that that's actually, again, for some newer players, that's that's how I'd handled something. I picked relatively straightforward classes for them. And I'm like, here are the only things you need to worry about. That is your sword. Here's how you hit something with your sword next level yeah. i i think for one of them i actually introduced a fighter to first level abilities at second level like you have mm -hmm. a sword here's how you hit people with your sword right We're hit good. attack roll a d20 you're good yeah and like always oh. i always make sure to tell kids that want to choose spellcasters that the spellcasters are more complex than other classes you will need to keep track of your spells and pay attention to those things so you need to agree that that is something that you are interested in and can do yeah. And sometimes they'll be like, no, I'll, I'll do something else. You know, I somewhere uh, I also have a resource that's an entire like tier list of D&D um, &D classes. And this is intended for new players, but who are adults where I'm just like, here's what I recommend is super beginner friendly. Here is a thing that I do not recommend. Um, like if you want to, yes, but it's not even I do or do not recommend. I'm like, here's the complexity level fighter. Dead simple. Hit it with a piece of metal until it's dead. At the mm -hmm. other end of this, allow me to present you with the hellscape that is a full preparation caster. If you've never played this, do you enjoy reading every druid spell in the book? If not, 
druid might not be the best choice right now. Right. Yeah. Um, like, no, I can give you a spell it. list, but just so you know, these dudes just know all of them. They just change them. Yeah. And it's like, it's super fun. It's a blast. I'm oh, not I shit also, I never do that. I give the kids spells. They do not prepare in the morning. Because it's just like, it's, it's, it's a needless complexity that they will literally never use as children. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That absolutely. I have found. When they level up, I will look over the spells that they've actually cast, and I might replace something if they never use it and give them something different. But, like, morning preparation is just personally, I don't do that with kids because I don't even like it for adults, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> I, I love it because I love getting to switch out my spells. Like, I'm, I'm currently in playing the keck, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this makes total sense for me. Right. Massive strategist, and okay, how can I control this? And I love crowd control and stuff in games. And I'm like, yeah, this is like a dream class for me. I don't know why I haven't done this before, but yeah, no. I, I think I did have I did have a player who was brand spanking new and they really wanted to play a druid because they loved the idea of druidic magic. I'm like, here's my deal with you. I gave you like a scan of the, the player's handbook. Ignore basically everything about spellcasting because we're doing a one-shot. <laughs> you have never played this before. No, I am yeah. going to pick your spell list, and I'm going to do it, quite honestly, in a way that I know it will give you tools to deal with what I'm going to throw at you. I'd yeah. rather you got to feel powerful and cool, which druids freaking are, than like, oh mm -hmm. shit, if only I'd pick this, if only I'd pick right. this. <laughs> right, right, right. Which can be super frustrating. So, mm -hmm. um, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on yeah. um, and talking with us about all this, providing us with all of these really wonderful resources. I have just dropped in the chat, completely screwed up the timing of it. I should have talked about it first and then posted it because there's, um, I just posted <laughs> again, the link to this Google drive. Um, all the files that you have seen today uh, are up there. Um, thank you so much. Rachel produced I, all of them, except I think like, a character sheet which is a handout from D, D. um she did not produce something that looks suspiciously like the official D, &D character sheet um, but the racing class thing i made myself yeah. from scratch yeah absolutely um thank you so much for sharing that with us thank you so much for sharing that with the community um yeah it was awesome i'm really glad i could be here so uh just a quick reminder we are helpful go gaming we are a game design and content um game content creation uh group we love our community we love getting to interact with you all um if you use the command exclamation point discord you can join our discord where we have lots of talks about this and you can discover all of rachel's nicknames i'm not going to say them you can just find them out if you go to the discord um <laughs> i have a lot <laughs> um from all of us here at helpful go gaming thank you all of you for watching and tuning in we hope you agree <sighs> Fine. I'm fine. Hitting the outro like a professional, it's fine. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe. Be well. Love y'all. Good night. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to hear more, check out our main podcast feed, Goats and Dragons, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You can also learn more about our shared gaming projects at our website, HelpfulGoat.com. Follow us on Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook at HelpfulGoat. And find us on YouTube by searching for Helpful Goat Gaming. And if you like what you hear, please do consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. We are a small independent game design firm and would really appreciate the support. Thank you so much for joining us. 
and we'll see you next time.